Welcome into the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. This is the show for December the 9th. We have games back in action. What a pair of games we had. You could say maybe the, the best day in World Cup history. I know I'm a prisoner of the moment. I know I am. And I will continue to be so. But I've watched World Cups going all the way back. And I can't recall anything like this. Both games going to extra times. Both games uh, with late goals to force the penalties. And really just incredible images at the end of both games between Brazil and Croatia and Argentina and, uh, of course, the Netherlands. Uh, as always, a reminder, the Soccer OG World Cup Daily is available in podcast form if you're driving around where all podcasts are available. And it's here as well on my YouTube page. Here are my social media handles. Certainly get in there and we can have a nice discourse. Appreciate everyone who is uh, tuned in. Like and subscribe. Uh, as uh, we appreciate you going, we're going the distance here. So we, we really uh, enjoy you guys being along for the ride. And I wanted to point out for Sabir Sal, I, I know I butchered your, your handle there, but he said, and I don't know, it might be a girl. But he said that he watched the entire show yesterday from beginning to end, really enjoyed the Christopher Sullivan interview. That is such music to my ears. I appreciate uh, the folks tuning in. I know it's hard to watch all of it every day, but when you hear that, it feels like you, you've got the people's attention. And I hope I'm... Uh, Making you see these these games a little differently. Maybe you learn a few things. You laugh, you cry, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, we're here to serve. So thanks for tuning in. And we always like to remind you that Soccer OG World Cup Daily is brought to you by the fine folks at Farmer John. You got to get your day off with a big breakfast, a nice foundation. If you're going to do it, it might as well taste good. And Farmer John can deliver. And we thank them so for being a part of this program. Enjoy it, folks, because we had uh, two games Friday, we have two games Saturday, then dot, dot, we have two dark days again, one game Tuesday, one game Wednesday, dark day, dark day, and then we have the, the, the final, I think Sunday, right? I don't think it's Saturday, but Sunday, so uh, uh, a lot of waiting around. So these are the special days, and certainly it delivered. A... Did I say like and subscribe? I think I did. I'm just repeating it. Get that thumb up. So let's take a look at the bracket. There they are. Argentina and Croatia moving on to the semifinal on Tuesday. So six teams remain. I will say, you know, we talked about a Brazil-Argentina final, uh, semifinal, which would have been huge. We still have a huge game potentially. We have two huge games potentially. Obviously, if Argentina and England play with the history they've had in a final. And if Argentina play Portugal, we'll talk about Portugal here. We know Cristiano Ronaldo is the big story, even though he's not playing. But Ronaldo is still going to play in these games. So you could have Messi Ronaldo there, which would be uh, unbelievable. Obviously, the folks at FIFA would be doing backflips if that was the case, and so would all of us. I will say I, I was a, a neutral in these two games on Friday, but I, uh, which I really enjoyed it. But I am happy one of the American teams made it, or at least one of the non-UEFA teams. It felt like we were heading towards another 2018 where four European teams are in the semifinals. That's no good. We need the world represented, and Argentina was able to pull that out in incredible fashion. So uh, that's a little bit of progress. I tell you, man, if, it's, if we turn around and it's Croatia, Netherlands, Portugal, France, Portugal, England, that's, uh, that's a huge missed opportunity in a World Cup like this. And maybe Morocco has a chance, and we'll get to that. But American teams, I, I look, we're all together in this. As I said, North America needs South America. South America needs North America. We are stronger together. And hopefully those partnerships are being made. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Copa America in 2024, 
when we get more information. Let us get into these games, Brazil, Croatia. And I knew not to pick Brazil to win. They have a problem. Brazil has a problem, much like Mexico in the Quinto Partido, how they can't make a quarterfinal. Now Brazil has an issue of getting out of the quarterfinals in a World Cup. They always have an issue. 2006, was it France? They were out. 2010, uh, out in the quarterfinals. I think it was the Netherlands there. 2018, out to Belgium. 2022, out to Croatia. 2014, semifinals lost to Germany, but that was probably worse than a quarterfinal because they allowed seven goals. So they have a problem when they face a big European team. And Croatia, 100%, is a big name in Europe. You have to put respect on that name. They always do well in the in the big competition, specifically in the World Cup. In their first ever World Cup, they made the semifinals in 98. They made the final in 2018. They make the semifinals here. Croatia is going to win a World Cup at some point. Just prepare yourself for it. They are elite. Teams don't like to play them. And here we are. So it might be in 2022. I'll tell you what's in their favor, defensively sound and consistent through every game. You get a very honest Croatian effort. And look, even though Brazil scored that goal to put them ahead and then fell asleep at the wheel, Croatia, uh, I mean, really had a, a handle of that game. Uh, and Brazil were uncomfortable and really gripping until an incredible sequence led to the Neymar Goal. I want to say this about Croatia because I saw a tweet from Charles Bohem, who's been a guest on this podcast, and he quoted, he brought up a quote from Jonah Osorio, who was with Canada and played this Croatia team. I thought it was incredible. He said, They figured out the spaces, they figured out our formation, and figured out our passing cues, and they started to use those uh, to their advantage. They're a very smart team, the highest level. You know what that reminds me of a little bit? It reminds me a bit of uh, the Raptors in the Jurassic Park. Remember, he goes, they remember. They never attacked the fence the same place twice. Eventually, there was a demise for the Raptors. Oh, no, there was like six movies. So maybe uh, the Raptors continue on. But uh, it was, it was, it was kind of scary when they described Croatia. They're figuring things out. They are. I thought that was a very telling quote. We look at the talent here, and we keep talking about Luka Modric. He was excellent in this game. I thought picking up free kicks, doing a lot of dirty work, connecting the passes. Obviously, we know uh, about Gvardiol. Uh, the goalkeeper, Dominic Livakovic from Dinamo Zagreb, has won two penalty shootouts here. I love the fullbacks as well. Josip Juranovic, Borna Sosa. Uh, man, it's just, it's just a, an easy team to pull for. They are fantastic in, in, in all the little things and the big pictures, and they're fearless, and they figure things out. Neymar. I tweeted this, and then I was vindicated. I said, Fernando Santos had the stones to bench Ronaldo. When is Chiche going to have the stones to bench Neymar? He was invisible. He was invisible. He was walking around and was, to me, was a big candidate. You know, he picked, pulls out Vinicius. Uh, he pulls out Hichalison. Uh, Neymar obviously is Neymar, but, and maybe they, look, they, maybe they wanted to keep him in the penalties, but he didn't even take a penalty. He was like fifth in the penalty takers. That was ridiculous. Uh, he scored the goal. So I had to eat some, uh, and I had to eat some crow, and everyone's saying, oh, takes exposed. But then Croatia scored, 
and he was part of the lax defending, walking back. Neymar was poor. He had the goal, and that's what the Stars do. But I, was, I just thought it was a really disappointing result. And um, obviously, he is emotionally um, completely devastated. But this is on Brazil. They should have never allowed that equalizing goal. They completely put their guard down. Watch the replay of that goal. It's stunning. And I think they thought they had the game won. Chiche was celebrating with his assistants. Everyone was already into the semifinals. Man, were they did wrong. Got to the penalties, and I think I have a new slogan for Croatia. Croatia, land of penalty shootouts. They are experts. They're four for four in penalty shootouts in the World Cup. Never lost in four attempts. So truly a remarkable effort. And if you haven't seen the video of Ivan Pedisic's son coming over to console Neymar, uh, one of the most touching things you would see, Pedisic reached out and took uh, his son. I just thought, I mean, this was quite a far cry from what we saw at the end of the Argentina-Netherlands game. Uh, I was touched. I'm sure you will be. So Croatia, don't underestimate that group. And I know Argentina certainly won't, but they exuded a lot of energy as they took on the Netherlands. Lots of black, bad blood in here. So some changes for Louis van Gaal. Cody Gakpo came back as like the creative midfielder, moving Davy Klaassen to the bench. Memphis and Steven Bergwijn were the attacking duo. And for Argentina, it was Julian Alvarez and Lionel Messi. Nahuel Molina, who scored that first goal, and Acuna out wide, McAllister and DePaul a little bit further back. Uh, the Netherlands were very comfortable in their own skin. And as that game went along, it looked good. But then the goal. And the, what a goal it was. Uh, Lionel Messi was magnificent. His best game of the tournament, one of his best games in any major tournament. The ball for Molina, and I don't want to shortchange what Molina did. He had an incredible touch and he finished it. But if you look at the overhead shot, and there's things on it on Twitter, you can see him play that across. I don't know where he saw the, the passing lane, but he did. And uh, Argentina were out in front. No response from the Netherlands. They were just poor. No chances. They didn't have. They had one shot. They had no shots on target. There was. Uh, it was a tough game to watch. I know people are saying it was a tactical battle. It wasn't. It was heavy lifting, hard game to absorb because uh, the Netherlands did nothing. But you had this feeling, and then they get the penalty. Lionel Messi converts it. He would convert his penalty in the end. Uh, was it a penalty? Yeah. Was it soft? Yeah. This is probably a good time to talk about Antonio Mateo, the Spanish referee who is so uh, recognizable with uh, what he, um, you know, he's one of the big referees. But man, he was pedantic. He was a game killer. 16 yellows. He even showed a yellow in the penalties. Lost control of the game with that incident on the sideline um, where I think it was, uh, you know, Fernandez or Perez, I can't remember, but just banging the ball towards the bench and all the Dutch players coming out. One yellow out of all of that, he lost control and it was just overbearing with the, with the whistles. And Lionel Messi had a handball and it wasn't called. I know you get the superstar. I'm the biggest advocate of getting the superstar calls, but it went overboard. Every time Messi got touched, he fell to the ground and got a free kick over and over again. I don't, uh, I, it won't discourage me and try and say anything bad about Messi, but it was there and I didn't like it, but Messi, uh, deserved to win it and was so influential here. He was uh, tremendous. So down two goals. The Netherlands hadn't got a shot. And then Louis van Gaal, who you've got to criticize him for the way he handled this game. 
from the beginning. He misplayed it, went big, uh, namely Vut Veghorst coming in. It was like 6-7. And then they lobbed the balls in and it worked. They got the one goal from Veghorst in the, was it the 83rd? And then I got to tell you, Maybe my favorite goal of all time. I'm really considering it. Because down 2-1, Netherlands get a free kick, dead center. They had a free kick from that very spot 10 minutes earlier, and they went traditional. This one, they did like a picket fence play, and that let Veghorst go through to score his second. And that was it. It was right at the end, at the death. And Louis van Gaal was saving it for a moment like that, and that was the perfect time, and it worked. And we would go to extra time. In extra time, Argentina did their best to not get to penalties. They had so many good chances. They hit the, the post at one time, uh, just flying time and time again. Uh, I love that from Argentina. Now, they allowed a goal late. We saw Brazil allow a goal late, and they wilted in penalties. Are you really, you know, we saw that in MLS Cup. If you allow a goal in like minute 115, 118, you're not going to recover from that. It's too hard. When you feel like you've already won and you allow a goal like that, it's, it's curtains. Argentina, granted theirs was at the end of regulation, they didn't let it, let it get down. They came out focused. There was like some, there was a lot going on between the players and the sidelines. And they got those chances late in uh, extra time and in the penalties, uh, it was too much. Dibu Martinez, fantastic. Poorly taken shots by the Dutch. They tried to come back, but it was too late. And again, Messi made his. By the way, 10 goals, uh, 10 World Cup goals now for Lionel Messi. So, uh, Vut Veghorst on loan in Turkish football from Burnley. We almost had a Burnley striker come in here, so another great story almost developing. Argentina pushed through. It's good for the competition. We look forward to see what comes next. Now, what happened afterwards? Uh, some really bad behavior. There was bad blood. Lionel Messi going to Louis van Gaal and Edgar Davids and Dali Bl Daily Blind, uh, Danny Blind, and you know having these words. There's also a photo of afterwards and the Argentines really, um, how would you call it? Uh, just pro pro provoking the Dutch. Dibu Martinez yelling at Louis van Gaal because uh, Louis van Gaal said we're going to win in penalties. And he's saying, uh, what was his exact quote? Uh, he says, we have an advantage. I wanted to show him. And then Messi going to the bench and doing that. Messi yelling at a, uh, at a, uh, a media member inside the, the mix zone. It was very bad optics. I wish it didn't go that way. But there's a lot of bad blood. This is a fixture we see a lot. I feel terrible for the Dutch. They have to behave a little better. I can understand their frustration. But I think if you win that game, you got to take the high road if you're Lionel Messi. So, tranquilo, tranquilo, Barneta. That was uh, a little too much for my liking. But anyway, the victor of the spoils and Argentina deserved it. Fantastic action. Argentina, Croatia, we'll preview that down the road. When we return, we'll preview the other side of the bracket. Morocco, Portugal. France, England, the Soccer OG, World Cup Daily. We got you covered every day during the big tournament. Welcome back to the Soccer OG, World Cup Daily. Amazing, we're gonna go through this without talking about USMNT, but we'll get back to them here shortly because there's a lot to talk about, right? And that's our, that's our base here. That is, 
our peeps. So we'll get back to that, but let's talk about what's going on here. 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 out on the East Coast. Look at the bracket again. Morocco and Portugal will play um, the big story, obviously. And it's not a question. It's going to be a question will be asked. Is Ronaldo going to start? Don't ask that question. He is not going to start. Fernando Santos did the hard part by benching him and getting a, a result out of that that he could not have ever imagined. Gonzalo Ramos scoring a hat trick. Portugal beating the Swiss 6-1. A Portuguese team that was okay, but not spectacular. Disappointing loss to Korea. Yet here they were with this remarkable result and unbelievable. Unbelievable to see what uh, they did to the Swiss. And now they're really oozing with confidence. So Portugal, Ronaldo's going to have to deal with being a super sub. Fernando Santos said, CR doesn't deserve all of this, all the criticism, after everything he has done for Portuguese football. There was a report that's been denied that he wanted to leave the team. That There's no way he wants to leave the team. This is such a big opportunity. I want everyone to just think about what they say about Ronaldo. And these people that say stupid things like this is tarnishing his... Uh, his legend and lore. That is absolute ridiculous. He has earned that respect. Did he have a good moment here with that interview with Piers Morgan and the fallout of Man United? No, but this is a superstar who's always had it his way, had it his way, and now it's not. You've got to uh, sympathize with him a little bit, all right? We've got to respect these athletes. Just the, the, the flippancy of where you say discard them, it's, it's ridiculous. And... Uh, this doesn't, Portugal doesn't win 6-1 unless Ronaldo does his part and nods his head and says yes and supports the efforts. So that is the way it goes. We still might get Ronaldo Messi. Ronaldo, as I said earlier, is going to play in some way, shape, or form. He looked great when he came off the bench. So we're three wins away from a possible Messi-Ronaldo matchup in the final. There is a, a great group there for, I mean... Gonzalo, I mean, Rafael Leal may start. It's got to be Ramos. He's perfect for that. He will be flanked by Bruno Fernandes and João Félix. Bernardo Silva a little bit behind him. Those four are as dangerous as a quartet we have in this World Cup. Uh, Portugal's ranks were thinned out a little bit, but uh, they, uh, they have so much class and they have pop on the bench. They'll be able to manage. They're going to be fun to watch. I think they have some goals in them, which is saying something because Morocco have uh, three clean sheets. Morocco are tough to crack. I think Mor it's hard for me to pick Morocco in this one as much as I'd love to see an African team make it. Portugal will score goals. The question is, can Morocco score goals in that case? There is, everything is pointing for the Portuguese effort. The depth is going to come through here and the teams that are deeper certainly does. That said, Morocco have a lot going for themselves as well. So, by the way, this is just the third round of 16 in a World Cup for Portugal. So this is uncharted waters, by and large. Last time they made it, they did get to the quarterfinals. They won, they, let's see if they can get to a semifinal. I mean, they're one of those teams that haven't won a World Cup. You still have Croatia that hasn't won a World Cup, and you have Portugal and Morocco. You have three teams that haven't won a World Cup. As for Morocco, looking to be the first African team to make a World Cup semi final. There have been three that made the quarterfinal. Cameroon 1990, Senegal 2002, 
first, Ghana 2010. So all more recent tournaments. Those three all came very close to making the semis. Cameron were up two goals on England, Ghana, and of course the uh, Luis Suarez uh, situation, and Senegal losing in penalties to the Danes. They were all there. So it's not like African teams have been outclassed in quarterfinal matchups. In fact, one of them should have. Law of averages says one of them will. So Morocco have a, a good spot. What's amazing about them is they don't possess. 32% possession, which is the second lowest in the tournament. The three clean sheets and the incredible players. Ashraf Hakimi, best fullback in the tournament, in my opinion. One of the four or five best players, period, in the tournament. Sofyan Amrabat in the midfield. Hakim Ziyech out wide. Sofyan Bufal as well. You have Yassim Bono, the goalkeeper who came up big. Morocco maybe will look to extend it to penalties as well this time around. Big concern central defensively. Roman Saiz and Naif Aguer. Aguer, uh, Aguer didn't look like he left injured, which uh, is a problem for him in these, uh, these, certain, these, these days uh, recently. And Saiz is, uh, it sounds like he won't be able to go. So your two center backs are out. That is going to be a problem. This is, uh, I wouldn't underestimate Morocco, but this is a big, big job. But they won their group, which included Croatia, who are still in the tournament. So why not? If there ever was an African team to make it, this has all the ingredients. They just knocked out Spain. Can they knock out the Spanish-Iberian uh, partner in Portugal? We're very close to Morocco. There's a lot in this game. Can't wait to see it. The late game, 11 a.m., England and France. 31 meetings all time. So England, France, we talk about these big rivalries. You can't really call this one. Uh, England and France have been involved in so much through the years. Uh, the Battle of Waterloo and Napoleon Bonaparte. Um, the channel connecting the two countries. I wrote it once. It's truly incredible that you're in an English uh, train station and then in a couple hours you're in, in Paris. Pretty cool. So uh, that is, uh, that's um, some good, there's some moments in these two, but not so much on the soccer field. England's won 17 of the 31. However, most of those came before 1950. Since the turn of the millennium, England has just won one, I think, of six games. France has had the upper hand. They're, uh, they have never met in the knockouts of the World Cup. Isn't that incredible? Never met. They did meet in a World Cup back in 1982, uh, not a knockout game. Uh, most recently, 2012, they met in the Euros. Who could forget that game? My guy, Brett, big Joe Hart fan, made some big saves. Jolien Lescott and Samir Nasri scoring the goals. Uh, both would uh, make the quarters. England won the group. Both would get knocked out in that 2012 Euros, which was, of course, won by the Spanish. That was a good Euros. And, uh, when I think of Euros, I think of that Euros. Uh, I think of the Italian effort. Uh, they were really good. They made the final. Spain, Italy. Uh, so uh, now we got to look at this current one and we're going to build a history here. So it's easy to get excited for England, France. Much bigger rivalries in rugby because he plays so frequently in the Six Nations every year. This is, uh, is uh, going to be very interesting. It's a coin flip for me. I don't know. There's so much talent, and now you have superstars on both sides. And I'm not talking about Harry Kane. He just has one goal. England have scored 12. Their best player is Jude Bellingham, and he's going against Kylian Mbappe. Those are the powerhouses that are going to be going 
face-to-face -face in this matchup. I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be highly entertaining. I think England have a real shot here. It's hard to say. Maybe the World Cup is finally coming home. England have been consistent. I told you about the goals. They weren't threatened after tying the U.S., thumped Wales, thumped Senegal to set this up. Gareth Southgate has picked the right lineups. Jordan Henderson has started the last two, so he has figured this thing out by and large. England is, uh, I, there's still going to be some questions as of how that 11 is going to look. We know it's, you know, I, I think it's going to look a lot like the, the Senegal game, uh, which is good maybe for Phil Foden. Uh, Raheem Sterling is back. I don't think he starts, but remember he had the house burglary, so he is back from that which is great news. Uh, we were hoping that. You don't want to want to miss this. You don't, you, you don't know if you get a chance like this again, a quarterfinal of the World Cup. Kylian Mbappe will be the key. As you can see, he is so talented dragging defenders. If he can do that, if he can drag Declan Rice and whomever else might be marking him in that midfield, Jude Bellingham, then other French players will have a chance. France have been clinical. They lost that game to Tunisia, but every other game they have been comfortable including the victory over Poland. This is star-studded. This is going to be a, a famous night, I am sure. And I can't wait to see those two players connect there. England-France, Morocco-Portugal. Last day of two games in a day, and then we wait. Which we're very good as soccer fans. We wait. We're a patient bunch, which is good. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Here, every day during the World Cup. Like and subscribe. Check out the podcast where all podcasts are available and here on YouTube. We'll see you uh, tomorrow. Have a great weekend, everybody.